Um, so as we get started here today, I, I need to make a confession. I've been getting some strange looks from people when they walk in uh, out there in the foyer. And uh, yeah, I changed my aftershave and I, uh, I'm going back next week to better product. I'm envious today of the Catholics because they have candles and incense, you know, it's, uh, do I get one more joke out of this? Do I get one more joke? Okay. So the other, here's the other one. Um, the, um, you know, you've heard of cowboy church. Well, we were going to do that, but we left out the boy and we ended up with cow church and, um, Okay, I've milked this thing far too much. See what I did there? All right, I'll stop because these jokes stink. And uh, (laughs) they just get worse, don't they? Kind of like the smell. Um, You got to laugh when there's nothing else you can do. Last week, we started a uh, sermon series, a four-part sermon series about the seasons of life. It's called Four, F-O-R, by four. There's four of these. Four times that that word four is used in this section in Romans 8 to point that little tiny word, little preposition four, and it points to some big, important things like hope and good and prayer and even us. But to start off with, um, let me... um, let me take advantage of Kidmen's Zone. Hello, Kidmen's Zone. I'm glad y'all are here. Now, I understand y'all have been learning about prayer. Yes, some of you. What can you tell me about prayer? Oh, yeah. What do we know about prayer? You can do it anytime. Yes, you can. That's a good answer. What else do we know? Anything? You tell me what you know. Yes, ma'am. When you pray to God, you talk to him about your problems, just like he's a friend, right? Yes. Very good. Thank you. Y'all are learning a lot. What else does anybody else want to tell me what you know, what you learned? Anybody? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I guarantee you everybody here is so proud of your answers. Um, yeah. How are, how are we supposed to pray? Any thoughts on that? Anybody want to help them out? Let's, let's stretch out here to these other zones. That, well, let me just do this. Let me get you thinking about it. How should we pray? You know, when I was their age, and even uh, two or three times their age, I don't know about you, but I still struggled with this idea of how we are supposed to pray. By the way, Kid Men's Zone, thank you for participating in this. And they're all participating whether they said something or not. So let's tell them how much we appreciate them. Good answers. And if they're your prayer pals, you encourage them. But you know, there's a lot of discussion about how we're supposed to pray. And we get taught that when we're young. Are we supposed to kneel? Are we supposed to bow? Do we put our hands up? Do we put our hands folded? Are we supposed to close our eyes? Why do you close your eyes when you pray? That's the thing I've never really really understood. If you're just talking to God, I mean, who else do you talk to and you close your eyes when you're talking to them? I mean, do you go to your uh, spouse and say, listen, I really need to have a talk with you. Maybe if you think they're going to hit you or something like that, and maybe that is why we close our eyes when we talk to God. We're afraid he's going to hit us. Uh, What words are you supposed to use? What should we not say? What is right to pray for? What's not right to pray for? 
One that long before we had email, I used to wonder if there was sort of a, a dead letter office in heaven where prayers that didn't get signed off the proper way were just kind of hanging there on this desk that some angel or the Holy Spirit ran. And it was like, I don't know what to do with this prayer. Why? Well, the guy's asking for a lot of good stuff, but he didn't say in Jesus' name. And so I don't know what to do with it. It didn't have the proper ending. We have a lot of concern about the formality of it. And that's nothing new. The disciples of Jesus came to him. You can read the story in Luke 11. And they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Now, did they want to know what they were supposed to say? Did they want to know what sort of things they needed to say? Did they want to know the proper posture, the proper time of prayer, the uh, proper place of prayer? Well, whatever they meant by it, Jesus gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. You know, the one that starts with, uh, well, if you do it in King James, our Father who art in heaven. Um, and uh, a lot of people ever since then have been asking, what, what, is, is God's name art? And uh, the, uh, you know, but it means, you know, our Father in heaven and so on. And Jesus shows us that there's this little prayer that says, ask for the things you need and trust in him. That's the gist of it. How should we pray? And last week we looked at Romans 8 and the first part of that said that we are able to endure bad things that we go through as people living here in this world because we hope for eternal life and we hope for the glory that will be revealed and shared with us as God's adopted kids. He has adopted us. And because of that, we are going to share in his glory. We can, we can look forward to that. And it, all the struggling and suffering that we go through now is nothing compared to what awaits us. But here's the thing. Even though we say that and even though we endure and even though we believe that firmly and maybe some days more so than others, we still struggle. You still have a bad day. And you still feel the way you feel. So what are we supposed to pray for when that happens? Maybe sometimes we think that because we're having a hard time enduring the struggles and sufferings, maybe sometimes we think that God isn't listening. Maybe sometimes we think that God doesn't hear us if something bad happens. Maybe we think that we're not saying the right words and if we'll say the right word and do the right thing and beg God the right way or promise him the right thing, then, then maybe he'll, he'll pay attention to us. Have you ever bargained with God in your prayers? I know that when I was younger, I used to do that. I'd be like, God, I, I, I'll, if you'll do this for me, if you'll give me this, then I, I won't watch TV for a week. And now that I look back at that, I think, why does God care whether or not I watch TV? I mean, a lot of these things that I was offering God, I think God was probably trying to tell me, you know, I'm good. You know, I don't need that. Uh, but then adults do the same thing. We all do. <clears throat> 
in Romans 8, right after he says that we struggle, uh, we struggle but we, we endure and we wait longingly for that ultimate glory and we know that we're God's adopted kids and it gets us through these current strugglings and strife. Then he says in the next verse, in the same way, here it is, Romans 8, 26 through 27. If you've got one of the handouts for the kid men, it's, uh, you can fill in some of the blanks here on that. He says, in the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way that we long for that, that future glory. In that same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Now, how's that for an admission in the Bible? We just really don't know how to pray like we should. And every time we think we've got it figured out, we realize we don't. Well, here's Paul just saying it. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And the one who searches our hearts. Let me ask Kidman's own something. Hey, any of you, the one who searches our hearts, who do you think that might be? God, good answer, God. Okay, so the one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. What he's talking about here, this, this, this Spirit in our minds is part of a larger discussion that runs through the whole chapter in Romans chapter 8. And he's talking about mindsets or a way of thinking or a way of seeing the world. And if you go back up to verse 6, Paul is contrasting it. And, and one way of looking at things he calls the mind of the flesh or the worldly material mind. There's a lot of different ways to understand that. The other one is the mind or the mindset of the spirit. And here's one of his simplest explanations as he's making that contrast. He says, if people's thinking is controlled by the sinful self or the, the fleshly mind, then there's death. That's what you end up with. Now you think about that. Think about some of the things. Let's, go to, let's, let's, let's take this out there and see. Let's test drive it and see if it works. You think about some of the things that are going on in this world right now. Laws that are being passed that are resulting in death. Laws that are being passed that are resulting in the devaluing of life. Actions by governments, even our own, that, that, that result in a culture of death. Um, corporations and groups and people who care more about greed and money than they do about life. Why do they do that? Today, as you're watching the news, as you're watching stuff, as you're hearing that, you're going to be frustrated and you're going to be saying, now, why do they do that? Why do those people do that? Here's how I want you to answer that. The sinful mind, the sinful self. Now, don't use that information and that answer to just get more bitter. Realize that you and I have got to appeal for a different kind of thinking, a thinking that doesn't come natural to us. It's not because we're good old church people and they're not. It's because you either have the mind, the sinful mind of the self, 
or you have the mind of the Spirit, the mind that is controlled by the Spirit of God, and where that mind is operating, there's life and there's peace. Because when you have that mind operating in you, you realize that you don't have to control everything and change everybody else to make yourself happy. This is, and and you can read Romans 8 and see his larger discussion about those mindsets. But here's what he says as he's coming to the practical application in verse 26. Three things he says. The first thing he says that when it comes to knowing what this means for prayer, first statement Paul makes, we do not know what we ought to pray for. Now, it's very simple. It's very plain. He just says, you know, with the sinful mindset, the, the, the way we are, we on our own, we do not know what we ought to pray for. We don't know how we ought to pray. We don't know what's right. We don't know what's proper. Do you take everything to God? Do you just take some things to God? Are the things that you don't trouble God about or the things that God doesn't want to hear? Okay, we can go on and on and on. And that, again, is the sinful mind focused on us trying to develop the right kind of magic words and technique that will get God to answer your prayer every time. We don't know how to do it because we have weaknesses. We have limitations. And in this letter, Paul has admitted that too. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, our limitations. That's not just sins, but it certainly does have something to do with sinfulness. It has to do with the fact that, well, I don't know how to break this to y'all, okay? But I'm just, sometimes you just got to preach the truth, right? Amen? All right, well, here it is. I, I know you didn't expect to hear this today. You're not God. Okay. The, uh, yeah, but see, and even though we can say that, and even though we think we know that, sometimes we behave as if we're God. We'd never admit to it, but we would say, well, it's my responsibility, isn't it, to control myself and everybody else? You're stepping in where God is supposed to be operating. Why don't you step back and leave room for him? We don't know what we ought to pray for. But uh, the good news here is that um, the Spirit steps in and helps us out. So the second thing he says is we may not know what to pray for, but the Spirit of God knows what to pray for. And the Spirit of God, that Spirit that he gives us, that mindset, that empowerment, that result of a relationship with him, that gift of the spirit that we mentioned last week, it steps in and helps us out so that here you are. And, and, and if you find yourself today or any day struggling saying, I don't know what to pray for. This is all going to be a disaster because I don't know what to pray for. The spirit does. The spirit does. And you need to let God step in and help out. Um, The Spirit knows what's right and proper. The Spirit knows that we have weaknesses and limitations. And so the Spirit becomes our intercessor. That's a tough word, isn't it? That's a tough word. Not just for kid men's own, but that's a tough word. When's the last time you used intercessor in a sentence? 
probably today. The preacher used the word intercessor today. Okay, that doesn't count. I've been trying to think, how can I explain to you what an intercessor is? And, and all of my, you know, all of my analogies, you either come up with all these legal advocate analogies, you know, well, it's like if you get busted and your lawyer comes, that doesn't help anybody. But I found a good picture of an intercessor. Because I'm trying to think, what is this intercessor relationship? I mean, I could say Jesus, but I'm wanting to understand what that relationship is with Jesus. If the intercessor for us is someone who comes down to our level and steps in with us, if it's that spirit of God that is among us, but not really the same as us, but it's working for us, what would that be like? All right, kid men, y'all ready? I got a picture for you. This is a picture of an intercessor, but you're going to have to look real close to find the intercessor. Do you see him? What sound does the intercessor make? You can go ahead. Woof. He says woof, woof. Because he's looking out for woof, woofs. That's what he's doing. If you haven't seen him yet, he's right over here. And I've seen this. And I saw this this week as I was going to a, a fellow's place to get. Uh, I didn't take this picture. This picture is the same concept. But. but we went there, and, and, the, and the fellow had a, a pen full of goats, and there's three or four dogs that live right there with the goats. Now, this is because he lives so far out in the woods that there are wolves, there are coyotes, there are predators that will attack and kill those goats. But the dogs that live there believe that the goats or the sheep are their family. And they have an attitude that says, we love these sheep and these goats, even though any other place in the world we'd probably eat them. But we love them, and you know what? No wolf or coyote's going to get in here and mess around with my sheep and goats. That's an intercessor. That spirit comes down among us. It's God's spirit of love, God's spirit of grace and care. It's God's glory. And it's not like us, but it does like us. And it helps us out when we don't even know what we ought to pray for. So, In these two little verses, Paul says that that spirit of God is among us as an intercessor. And even though we don't know what to pray for, the mind of the spirit that God put in us, it does know what to pray for. The spirit itself, he says, he searches our hearts. You can't hide anything from God. God knows us. Even the psalmist used to say, search me, O God. Uh, There's so many of the Psalms that will say, search me, examine me, look within me, test my heart. The psalmist is praying what we pray. You know that that's, that's perfectly okay for you to pray that. Go find your Psalm and let that be your prayer language. There is nothing wrong with using a prayer that someone else wrote, especially if it ends up in the Bible. Okay. There's a top there's a top 150 list in the Bible of prayers. Go find one. They're, 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 they're great hits and classics. But he searches our hearts. And here's the thing that I think we need to, if, if there's one thing I want you to leave with today, it's this. When you are praying to God, it is not your responsibility to get God's attention. You already have it. In Jesus Christ, Through his sacrifice on the cross and the same power that raised him from the dead 
which now lives in us, comes to us as the gift of the Spirit in baptism, you already have God's attention. It's not that we have to get God to pay attention to us. It's that God has to get us to pay attention to him. And this is where the spirit works in us. His spirit works in us to get, um, to get us to pay attention to God. His spirit, he is working in us to establish the communication with him. Pagan cultures and do-it-yourself cultures believe that whatever God is or whatever power we might call God that we have to somehow try harder and do more within ourselves to get God's attention. That it's all up to us. We have to establish the communications. And so we need to come together at church and we need to have good, good, good songs and we need to wake God up and we need to get him to pay attention. These two short verses in Romans 8 have said, he has already established the communication tell you a little story, a little, little bit of history, okay? They're not going to teach you this history in school. All right. Because um, most people don't really care about James Buchanan. Why? He's considered one of the worst presidents ever. Every time there's a ranking of presidents, poor old James Buchanan ends up on the list. And hey, you know, he's the warm-up act for Abraham Lincoln, He's the 15th president. And so, I mean, if you got Lincoln, then you're going to like, what about the guy before him? Uh, you know. um, but I will tell you one thing about James Buchanan. He is the first president to send and receive a transatlantic cable message. You're thinking, well, so what? Why doesn't he just text? Because it was 1857. August 16th, 1857, if you wanted to send a message across the Atlantic Ocean to, say, Queen Victoria and Great Britain, it would take you 10 days to send that message across the ocean. And then it's going to take you at least another 10 days and probably longer to send a message back. That's how you communicated. But now they've put this cable across the Atlantic Ocean and you can send a message back and forth and you can talk to one another in the super futuristic, unreal, rapid time of 16 hours. Woo! That's right. It took Queen Victoria 16 hours to send a message of 98 words to the worst president of the United States ever. And people thought it was a miracle. But here's the other thing too. Now, you know, of course, Queen Victoria is not over there on the telegraph, you know, doing Morse code, you know. We're not amused. I mean, you know, she's not doing that, okay. I mean, she, she writes the message, sends it to someone. And actually, it's really funny if you watch the transcript between the two stations that are sending this thing across the, the ocean. What they are saying to each other is, uh, repeat, send it again, repeat. Okay, what's that word again? Repeat, repeat. That's why it takes 16 hours. <laughs> it's the 1857 version of, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Oh, you got a better signal? Can you hear me now? I mean, so much of our conversations would be shortened if we could get past that. But even before that 16-hour transmission, it took four years to set up that cable. 
So here is everybody shouting glory, hallelujah, in 1857, and they're proclaiming it a miracle because James Buchanan, the President of the United States, and Queen Victoria of Britain can communicate with each other instantaneously, so it would seem. Uh, And it took four years just to set that up. What's my point in all this? My point in all this is if we think that it is something incredibly historical and special and momentous, that communications was established by two people who wanted this to happen, who invested in it, who spent four years at it, how much more incredible is it that the creator of all the universe has already set up communication with you And he's saying, with his spirit empowering you, he's saying, so what do you want to say? I'm listening. His channel is open. And he doesn't have to say, can you hear me? Well, he may have to say that. We don't have to say that because he's listening. The Holy Spirit acts even as something of an editor for us, if you want to think of another analogy. The Spirit itself speaks to God for us. This is part of the verse we looked at. The Spirit itself speaks to God for us, even begs God for us with deep feelings that words cannot explain. That's Romans 8, 26. My encouragement to you is pray. As Paul will say in another letter, pray without ceasing. And you might have to use words, but you might not. But are you in tune with his spirit? Are you receiving his spirit? The channel has to be open on our end. I assure you the channel is open on God's end. And he's not very far away. His spirit that he's given to us is just another grace. I want to close out with this story because I think it illustrates some of the, the poor teaching that happens to folks. I'll never forget this because this verse is a verse that one of my shepherds in Texas used when we paid a visit to a woman named Darlene. She was dying of cancer. She had made friends with some people in our church family there And we went to visit her because she was so troubled. She had visited uh, at worship with us a few times. And even though she was dying and we understood that she was distressed by that, she wasn't distressed about the fact that she was dying. She had come to grips with that. What bothered her is that God didn't care. What bothered her is that God wasn't listening to her. And so we asked her, we said, where do you suppose that idea comes from? She said, I was trained and raised that if you couldn't fully pray to God, full throttle with the right words, with the right spiritual enthusiasm, with the right form, on and on and on, fill in the blank with whatever you want to make the application. I was taught that if you can't do that, then God's probably not listening to your prayers. And this shepherd opened his Bible 
and he took a look at this passage right here in Romans 8, 26, and he said, I'm not going to argue with what anyone else has told you growing up, and I don't want my word to come out as better than their word, but I do want you to see what the Bible itself says. And he read this. The Spirit itself speaks to God for us, even begs God for us with deep feelings that words can't explain. And as she was just picking up the, the, the impact, the weight of that statement, I asked her, I said, Darlene, I know that you try to pray, don't you? She said, I do. I said, what do you say? She says, well, I start out by saying, our Father in heaven, it's me. And then I don't know what else to say. And that shepherd said, that's a good prayer. That's a good prayer. And he's backed up by the spirit of God that's in her, that's in you, that's in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that you're always listening and you empower us to speak. And it's not my eloquent words And it's not our posture and it's not our mindset that we generate that's going to get us your attention. But it's your love for us and it's your grace that has given us your full attention. You've lavished your love on us. You've poured it out on us. And Father, now just empower us with your spirit that gives us the mindset and the behavior that we don't ever take that granted for a moment and let every work, every moment, every thought, every action be prayerful before you. Teach us to live in unity with you and keep in step with the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we pray for each other too because that Spirit works in all of us. And anybody here can pray with you. And while we're singing this song, maybe you need somebody to just kind of partner with you in prayer. You can turn to the people around you or you can come down here. These shepherds right here will pray with you. If you want to need a little more privacy, maybe you really need to share something. We'll have shepherds back there in room 100. Just trust the spirit of God and open yourself up to God that he might pray with you and find out what obedience to him looks like for you today. Let's stand. Let's sing.